Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Living the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaletti. And you will not believe who I have on the show today. This is Sierra Rungi. I love saying that, Rungi. And she is, this is insane. She is a United States Olympian and gold medal winner. Yes, that is right. U.S. <laughs> Olympian gold medal winner. Sierra won a gold medal in the 4x200 freestyle relay in the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. How freaking awesome is it? I can't believe I'm reading this. She was born and raised in Eastern PA, which is the wrong side of the state. Pittsburgh is the right side of the state, but that's okay. We'll let it slip. <laughs> in 2013, she won four medals in the World Junior Swimming Championships. 2014, in the Pan Pacific Swimming Championships, she got second in the 400-meter freestyle, fourth in the 1,500-meter freestyle, fifth in the 800 meter freestyle and then in 2016 she dropped the bomb and won a gold medal for the united states of america sierra welcome to the show uh thank you for having me i'm super excited to be on <laughs> me and you both what a fun this is just going to be a great conversation and uh let's just start we know what you've accomplished we'll get there clearly we want to hear about the olympics but let's take it back to your background and have you always been swimming and just talk about your upbringing and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, um, growing up, I lived in, um, Eastern PA, um, and it's a small little country town. I grew up on two acres running around like chickens with our heads cut off with my older brother, my younger sister. Um, we were always doing something, um, growing up and, my parents always said to us, um, pretty much, they were like, okay, whatever you want to do, just tell us what you want to do and we'll make it work. Um, no matter what, we'll figure it out. And um, my family also always watched the Olympics. And whenever we would have it on, we would just leave it on. Like, it never turned off. Um, and so when I was four years old, I was watching the 2000 games. Um, and I would be, you know, interested in gymnastics, interested in track and field. Like, I'd just be like, da, 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 da. And swimming would come on and it was just like, like glued to the TV. And my mom was just like, weird. Like it's swimming, There's people going back and forth in a pool. Like, I don't understand that obsession, but I was just glued. Um, and my mom said that I pointed to the TV and looked at her and go, mommy, I'm going to do that one day. And she was like, yeah, okay, we got to get you in lessons first. Like, you don't even know how to swim yet. Oh, my goodness. Um, four years old? Yeah, four years old. But I've always been obsessed with the water. Um, you know, from as soon as my belly button fell off, I was pretty much going in. <laughs> so I was, I was, my parents had to tie a pool noodle around my, my waist because I would just jump into my grandparents' pool without thinking. And they were like, yeah, you can't swim yet. Like, what are you doing? Um, 
So I've pretty much been swimming my entire life. I played soccer for like a hot second. Um, but pretty much my entire life has just been swimming. Um, and it's been awesome. <laughs> um, so I swam, I started swimming at my local YMCA and I swam there until I was about 10. And then I transferred to a club team. Um, and then when I was 15, transferred to my second club team. And that's where I started finding the most success in my sport. Um, and I rode that one out and, until the Olympic Games. So, And, and when, when did you know, I'm getting pretty good at this? I mean, did you have some confidence at five, six years old, or did it take into your, you know, early I don't, Yeah, I don't think I realized that I could actually be a part of a national team until, like, I was 17. Um, I made a junior national team here and there, but I was a sprinter then. And then my coach was like, okay – um, we're going to transition you to distance events. And I was like, okay. He was like, you're six foot four at 15. Like we're putting you in distance events. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm huge. <laughs> I've been huge since I was about 13. I've been like six, three since I was like 13 or 14. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So like, can you imagine a 13, 14 year old, six foot four swimmer swimming next to the other 13, 14? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was all arms and legs, though. My goodness. Um, so my coach pretty much looked at my body type and said, you're long, you're lanky, you can pull out of water, let's put you in distance. And that is when my success turned. Um, and that's when I started making my national teams, uh, winning medals and doing all that good stuff. Um, and ultimately what led me to the 2016 games and accomplished my four, uh, four years old goal um in life so sure it kind of came full circle there and, and what so you're getting better at a young age you're 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 long you're mm -hmm. tall how much of it your success at least early on before the olympic games was coaches family people around you and how much of it was just sierra pushing forward no matter what yeah um growing up it's always been a partnership between my parents my coaches and myself because you can't have one section pulling one harder than another. So if I was pulling harder than my coach and my parents, it wouldn't have happened. If my coach was pulling harder than I wanted and my parents wanted, wouldn't have happened. If my parents pulled harder than my coach or I wanted, wouldn't have happened. So it was kind of an equal balance, equal partnership between my parents, myself and my coaches, but my parents are the reason that I am who I am today. They're the reason I got to where I got today. Um, they gave up everything to help me pursue my dream, help my sister, help my brother pursue their dreams. Um, my mom um, would drive an hour and a half, us one way an hour and a half to Baltimore for us to train. Um, we would sit in the car all day, sit in a Starbucks. Uh, we called it um, the, the uh, Pramper. So we had a Prius. <laughs> but we, we used it as a camper, so we called it a camper. Um, but we would spend days in that Prius, days. Um, but we we did it, and they, you know, my dad worked his butt off to make sure that we could do it. My mom did what she needed to do to get us to where we needed to be, and so it's like I I wouldn't be where I am today without my parents. Um, so I commend them with everything. I'm just like they are 
a godsend. And if they would have said, no, that's too far, no, that's too much, I wouldn't be who I am today, I don't think. I love that. I think that's so cool. And how awesome of them to just support you and the family and your brother and sister the whole time. And also, everybody listening or watching, Sierra is so humble. I mean, you just pass the buck to your coaches and your family. And we were talking before we recorded that the Olympics didn't, you're still the same you. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's so cool. Okay. So we'll get into the, we'll get into the crazy. Yeah. So 2012, you're in the Olympic trials and this is just based on me Googling you and seeing what your life is all about. Uh, Can you talk about, I read that you were 25th and 26th and I'm just wondering, you're clearly young at that point. Was that a good thing for you? Was that, was that not a good result? What what were your thoughts at that point? I think that the the swims in themselves, they were what they were. Um, obviously, being 25th and 26th at 16 is awesome. Um, and it was my first trials, first big meet. I remember walking out from the ready room. So how they do it is there's a back pool where everybody warms up, and then you go to a ready room, and then you walk up and out onto the pool deck, the Olympic trials pool deck. And everybody told me, all my teammates, they were like, don't look up. Don't do it. Don't look up. And I was like, that's weird. Why, would, why wouldn't I look up? Like, this is Olympic trials. Why wouldn't I do I, I like, kept my eyes glued to the deck until I got to where we were about to walk out to our lanes. And I went, <laughs> I almost peed myself. Like, it was so intense. So intense. I walked down. I was like, oh. What? I have never, that was the biggest meet by far and away. And you'll hear this from a bunch of people, but Olympic trials, swimming Olympic trials is probably the most intense swim meet you'll ever take part in ever. Um, which is true because when we got to the games, it was like, all right, cool. We've done this. We're good. We made it. Like, wow. yeah. So trials is super stressful. Um, and going through that at 16, it's just another added thing. Um, and so all things considered, I was really happy with the results. And I made my first junior national team um, and got to go to Hawaii. So um, that was pretty cool. Um, so pretty I was cool. pretty pumped on, on all levels on that one to be from Olympic trials, go to Hawaii and uh, make a team. So that's very, that's very cool. <laughs> Not many people at 16 are flying to Hawaii for, yeah, right. For, for, for you know, I was going to wait to ask you, but since you brought up the intensity of walking out there, can you tell us, I love talking to competitors and just finding out that moment before the gun goes off. Yeah. What is in Sierra's mind? Is it different every time? Is it the same every time? What's going on? Yeah. There? Um, so it's pretty much the same every time. Obviously you have to roll the punches on what your environment gives you, who's behind your lane, what's going on, um, how the timing is. Um, but it was pretty much, the same, um, and how I viewed it, I mean, obviously it was the Olympic Games, so I was like a nervous Nelly, um, but I warmed up the same that I always do. I put on my suit, the same timing. I did everything that I had practiced throughout my career. It was just textbook throughout. Um, and then I was lucky enough to have three other girls in there with me. Um, I was a part of a relay, because if it was individual, I would have been like, um, <laughs> <laughs> But I got to have three of my uh, really, really, really good friends in there with me. And so we were, we were, and 
I think two of them, two out of the four were veterans um, for the games. And so they were just, we were snapping pictures. We were laughing. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody else was like, what is USA doing? Because we're like just creating havoc in the, in the ready room, just like goofing off. And it just, it just released all the, all the tension um, and the nerves. And so I was last on the prelims relay which meant that I was the anchor, which meant that, okay, China's over there and that country's over there and that, like, oh, okay. Um, and so diving in, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. And then I remembered it's just another 50-meter pool. I've done this a million times. I know what I'm doing. Um, and so I didn't let it get to my head, um, which was really good. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much every race I've done, every race I do, it's the same setup. Same warm-up, same suit-up, same pretty much routine, everything um, that I've done my entire career. So, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Then yeah. it's just like instincts and in your training took over as soon as yeah. you, the gun goes off. Yeah. So, okay, so just real quick, because I, I just find this fascinating. In 2014, you're in the Pan Pacific Swimming, Swimming Championships in Australia. And mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the 400 meter freestyle was an insanely awesome event. I'm assuming one yeah. of your best events. Yeah. And Katie Ledecky, well, actually, I'll let you tell the story. So uh, how did you feel during that? And do you want to tell everybody like what happened and yeah. how you after? Sure. Um, so it was my first international meet as a national team member and I was swimming the 400 freestyle um, and Katie was my other teammate in that final. And uh, so we all walk out um, and Katie was having an incredible summer that summer. And I, um, I remember diving in, we were swimming and it wasn't until about the third hundred that it really kicked in on what was going on. Um, not that I was on autopilot, but I kind of just like went. Um, and so that third 100 was like, okay, kick it into higher gear. And then I started looking around to see where I was. And I realized Katie was gone. She was gone. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to swim my own race because at some point you can't swim another person's race. You have to swim yours. Um, but then I could see on the other side of her that there was nobody else on the other side of her. And I was like, Oh, like I have a chance here. And so we, we hit that last hundred in the last 50. Um, it was pretty much just Katie. And then it was me. And I think it was another Australian. Um, and so Katie won and I think it was some record. I think it was a world record. I'm sure it was. Um, and then I got second, my first international medal. Um, mm -hmm. and, but it was just incredible because every time you swim against Katie, something incredible happens. It, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's a world record, if it's not, it's just like incredible to swim next to her just because it, it's such a, a force to be reckoned with like you just you look at it and it's just awe-inspiring um but there was races in that at that meet where like i would be finishing a flip turn going into my last 50 and like pyrotechnics and and cheers and like music was going off and i'd be like can you finish so basically she had to set a world record just to beat you is the bottom line <laughs> yeah god I wish that was the case, but Katie is one of those people that she will set a world record whether there's somebody chasing her or not. She's one of those. It's awesome. It's so cool to see. Well, and it's so cool. We were talking a little bit before 
we recorded that you, it seems like there's such a mutual respect there. And I'm often saying on this podcast, you are the average of the people that you surround yourself with. And it seems like in your case, that couldn't be more true. Is that, do you feel hanging out with Katie and other great swimmers that Mm -hmm. it just levels you up? Yeah, it, we call, growing up, it's always been finding your people. That's how um, it's been for my entire life is you always operate better. You always function better when you're around your people. And so these are my people. Um, These elite athletes are my people. We are like-minded. We physically, you know, push ourselves, mentally push ourselves. We all have a common goal. We all have a common lifestyle. Um, So it's, it's just, it's our people. It's, it's funny because you can be here, you can be in Pennsylvania, you can be, uh, California, may, you will always have that group of collective people just because of this um, camaraderie that you find in this sport. I love that. I think yeah. that's so. I think that's powerful for anybody for any takeaway. If it's in business, if you're around your people mm-hmm. that are playing the business game higher than you, be around them, and they'll just yeah. level it's just you up. Find, it's all about finding your people, and it's all about who makes you better, um, who elevates you, who you know, doesn't bring out your worst, brings out your best. So. I love that. And yeah. I'm sorry, Sierra, but I can't wait any longer. We got to hear about the Olympics. <laughs> I'm like, I know everybody wants to hear. I'm excited. By the yeah. way, for those on YouTube, I got my USA shirt on. I'm representing. Yeah. Should have brought the flag. <laughs> Should have had to be waving the flag. <laughs> okay. So walk us through, because honestly, I don't know a lot. And I'm sure a lot of listeners and viewers don't know exactly how it works. How does how do you get into the Olympics and when did you find out and kind of yeah. tell us that story? Yeah. So for swimming, it is, uh, at Olympic trials, we have a meet about a month, month and a half out from the games. Um, so it's super right up to yeah. right up the timeline. Um, but that way we get the best team we possibly can and set us up for the best results as possible for, um, representing our country. So when you go to trials, top two individual make it, top six for a relay make it. Um, so if you're in a relay event, such as the 200 freestyle, top six and up make it. If you're in just a strictly individual race, like the 400 freestyle, top two make it. Okay. So you got to be top two or top six in the nation, um, which is pretty intense in <laughs> and of itself because the United States is one of the deepest talent pools of swimming out there. It's insane. Um, we have like, I think it's the top 25 or 50, top 25 or 50 rank um, make the FINA A cut, which is equivalent of making a international meet for some other countries. Um, oh. So we, we have talent, you know, <laughs> everywhere. Um, and that's what makes it so intense is that everybody is fighting for the spot. There's black horses that come out and they, you know, there's somebody that you wouldn't even think of and they come out of nowhere and they break through and they make the team and it's like, oh, <laughs> so it's, it's so stressful, but it's so intense and it's so much fun at the same time. It's just this whirlwind of emotions. Um, so that's how you make it. And then pretty much you are told, you know, so actually <laughs> I have this picture actually. I wanted to Ooh, show you. Yeah, let's see. So this is when I made the Olympics. That was my facial expression. I oh my God. <laughs> So that's when I looked up and I saw um, my place and saw that I had made the team. Um, And that's when I knew. And that was by far and away one of the coolest moments of my life. I I, I had to like blink. And then my teammate was two lanes over from me. 
and we like army crawled to each other and like <laughs> celebrated with each other and gave hugs. Um, so it was just an incredible feeling to make the Olympic team. And then um, from there, I think we went home for a week um, back to your clubs and just to get everything settled. And then we were whisked away to training camp. So we were in San Antonio for a while and then we went to Atlanta for a while. Um, and that's where you see, if you see the carpool, carpool karaoke, well, that was when we were in Atlanta. I wanted to bring that up. I saw that. Yeah. For anybody listening, YouTube, I'm trying to think what the 2016. 2016 carpool I mean, karaoke should come up. Hilarious. It's so, it was so much fun. We had a blast doing it. We had a, it was like two cars running at the same time. And we got, all got broken up into groups. And then they just stuck a bunch of GoPros in it and then just, like, told us to go wild for, like, an afternoon. So um, we had a blast with that. Um, so you we were, were in, Yeah, we were all just going hard. It was awesome. <laughs> um, so then from there, we went down and we uh, actually got a private plane down to Rio. Mm. We did. So that was pretty cool. Um, um, so then after that, we got in, we got settled in the Olympic village. Um, the first morning I woke up insanely early because I was just so wired. Um, but then we were there for probably about a week to acclimate to everything, to figure out where everything was, get the food in our system, all that good stuff. Um, and then it was opening ceremonies and then the games begun. <laughs> okay. Game from start to finish. We, we, we got to get into, like, I don't know about everybody else, but the, the opening ceremonies to me, I, I mean, I, I get teary-eyed, I get goosebumps, and yeah. to be there as a fan is one of my goals in life. But to be there yeah. as an athlete, yeah, like, just tell us, like, before, like, when you're there and every, all the USA team is around, then, when yeah. you're, like, just walk us through. I can't even yeah. imagine. So you just like meet such incredible people. Um, so everybody congregates, everybody gets changed. Um, those that are walking through uh, the ceremony, not a lot of swimmers get to walk or want to walk um, because swimming starts the day after the ceremonies and it's a lot of walking and a lot of wear and tear on your legs. Um, luckily I was the fifth day, so I could go walk, recover and be ready to race. Um, Michael was there because he was the flag bearer, um, which was fun because I got to be, so Michael and I were teammates for um, 2011 all the way through 2016. Michael Phelps. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I trained with North Baltimore Aquatic Club and Bob Bowman. Um, that was my club team, 15 and up. So um, I was on a group team with him. So it was really cool because I got to be his first one and my first one were the same one, even though this was his fifth, fifth games. Um, so that was really fun, um, to be a part of with him. And then there was, I think there was five in total and then some staff with us. Um, and it's, it was interesting cause everybody got ready outside the village. Everybody took pictures and then it was a bus and then you got put into, I think it was the volleyball venue. <laughs> and we just sat around for a while because they had to start the ceremonies and everybody has to walk out. So then basically it's like roll call. They're like, they go by alphabetical order the whole every crew goes um and so we finally started moving and it was like you move like this far every five minutes <laughs> lots of standing so everybody's like jam-packed like this like sardines and we're all just like shuffling forward we'd both shoes on so those killed um 
but we're all like shoveling forward and it's just like the most incredible experience because you're running into different athletes you're taking pictures everybody's happy everybody's pumped everybody's just so so excited um and then uh it just slowly we like inched our way up to the opening um and then they go, okay, the country in front of us went, and then they had to, like, hold us back because everybody was like, we're ready. <laughs> like, we're not ready yet. <laughs> um, so then they had Michael walk out, and then we all followed, and um, they kept the swimmers together. So I was at the front of the um, kind of surge, and the roar that came out of the crowd was insane. Like, it was one of those things where you just get goosebumps and you ch like, I just couldn't absorb it fast enough. It was such an incredible moment um, in my career, in my life. I will never forget it. But you walked out and it was just like United States of America. And it was just like, huh? like everybody went nuts. Um, and you just, you just had to stop and just take it all in. Cause it was like this moment that I had been waiting for my entire life. And I was able to be a part of it and do it. And just to, you watch it on TV and it is like really intense on TV and really cool. It's like nothing else though in person. Um, so then you walk around the stadium and then in the middle, you like circle in and then go to the middle. And then it's just basically like a giant like mosh pit of countries. Like everybody's just like running around. And it's just chaos. Because um, everybody's like taking pictures and everybody's celebrating and everybody's pumped and um, so you're running into different countries and different nations and it's just, it's just what everything the games are supposed to be. That's what that opening ceremonies was. It's just, everybody was there to celebrate sport, to celebrate, you know, athletes. And it was just such, such an incredible experience. Oh, you told that story so well. I was like, <laughs> I was going to ask all these questions, but you just, you answered all of them. And that was so good. I do have to ask because we talked offline about this, mm -hmm. how much did it mean to have a lot of your family in the stadium when you walked in? It was awesome. So I ended up, I had my, my mom, my dad, um, and my brother and my sister-in-law were there, um, both in the opening ceremonies and when I raced. Um, my little sister was a plebe at the Naval Academy, um, so she was unable to be there. But, um, yeah, it was incredible because, like, I would look up, and it was so funny because my race in the games, I walked out, so they tunnel you out, and you tunnel out with your, your relay, and I just hear, go see! And I turn around, it's my mom. I was like, like the Olympic Games, I'm like, hi, mom! <laughs> it was such a cool moment, though, to be able to turn around, it's like my family's there, um, and they were able to be a part of it. Um, they were able to experience, like, the Olympic Games as, as visitors, um, which was really cool for them as well. But I, I won't forget that, though. I was here, let's go see! And I was like... <laughs> I have to admit, of when I was researching you before this, I, I watched a couple YouTube videos, and she is very... Uh, she likes to be verbal in supporting her daughter yeah. while she's holding the camera. And My I was, favorite I was, is when she's at home. When she'd be at home and we'd watch the video and we'd, we'd get videos sent of my mom videotaping the, the screen and she's, come on, see, come on, see, get them, see, go see, go see. And it's just, it, I love it so much. <laughs> it makes me laugh. And it's just, it's so funny because she's there even though she wouldn't 
be there in those scenarios. Um, oh, that's that's what moms do. I think that's what moms do, and I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> oh, I think that's so cool. And thanks yeah. for opening up about all that because Absolutely. I think this is – I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard yeah. a firsthand experience of walking in a yeah. stadium. And so how about a little – just because you mentioned – the different countries and it's like a mosh pit what's yeah. what's olympic village like i mean is it like a party is it like everybody's serious you yeah know, what's it like so the village is very much a village um and that's the cool <laughs> part but um it wasn't like a big party zone it wasn't everybody was pretty much like honed in on what they were doing um i'm sure later in the games like when the closing ceremonies were happening i'm sure that was a lot bigger um i flew home um midway through because i had to go to school so um but when i was there it was pretty much like you'd sit down and you'd be like a table over from australians a table owner from like china you'd be a table over from england and like everybody would just be mingling and talking um and how the the um cafeteria was set up is it's like two football fields long essentially was just like tables and chairs, um, like lunch tables and chairs. And then they have different cuisines all in the front where you can go up, you get a tray, you pick what you want, and then you go sit down. And so like you'd have like teammates that swim in the US that know each other, that, but are representing different countries and nations sitting down. And then you have different sports sitting down. And it was super interesting because like you could tell the sports from what their body type was. Like I'd be like, that's a gymnast, clearly. Like that's a basketball player. Clearly, because um, before that, I had only been in meets where, like, worlds where it's strictly swimmers and divers and water polo players. But you, you know, it's all similar body type. But then you go to the Olympics, and it's like every body type under the sun, uh, which was really cool because it's like it was very confusing but very refreshing at the same time. Um, you almost like made a game out of it. You're like basketball, gymnast, track and field. Don't know what you are, but good on you. <laughs> It, it was a lot of fun, um, but everybody kind of walked around. Everybody wandered. Um, everybody was taking it in, um, which was really cool. Oh, that is so cool. Of course, I'm thinking some people may have thought you were basketball at six foot four. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. I've gotten every everywhere I go. It's are you a basketball player? <laughs> Volleyball player? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. I had one person ask me once if I was a diver, and I just went, "Oh man!" I'm like, "Do I?" I am six foot four, sir. Like, <laughs> good gracious. Oh, I love it. So yeah. it's, it's going amazing at the Olympics. It's opening ceremonies are awesome. Walk us through the path to the gold medal. How the heck does this happen? Yeah. So um, day five. So every day we were there supporting. Um, if you had business to take care of, you, took, you, you went to the pool, you swam, you went home. But after you were done, um, or if you don't, weren't swimming for a couple of days, Team USA was always in the stands. Always, always, always. Um, which was awesome. So, like, we had a little section taped off. So, um, I was there cheering everybody on um, for the first, like, couple of days. And then um, day five, it was, like, all business. It was like, all right, here we go. And so I did my typical routine. I did everything I normally do. Suited up. Um, and then my – Relay met with the coaches, um, got the pep talk, and then we walked through. And the ready room for the Olympics is a, is a series. So you have to go through, you have to 
give your identification, um, you give that to them, and then they, you go through a room, and then you go through another room, they check, check to make sure your cap, goggles, and suit are all um, legal. Yeah. Uh, and then you go into like the final waiting room, and then they announce your heat, you line up, and then you walk out. Um, and so my, my relay was in lane four, I believe, and we were one of the last heats. And, um, my teammates went off and we were neck and neck with China at the time. And I was just like, all right, like we got to set everybody up for a great, great finals race. We got to get ready. Like, let's go. And the competitor inside me was just like, I need to beat everybody in the pool. So, um, we were, I was anchor and I, I just remember thinking to myself, I had a very slow turnover time. Um, so really slow, uh, start time for a relay. But I just remember being like, I am not going to be the one to DQ this relay. I won't do it. <laughs> so I had a super safe start, super safe. Um, but when I got back to the, the coaches were like, good job. Thanks. <laughs> um, and so I kind of blacked out a little bit when I swam it. It was one of those things where I was so focused. Um, I just remember my calves cramping really bad. Which was so funny. Like, the, it's just like the weirdest things that you absorb when you're racing. Um, but I was racing, and then the final 50, I remember just pulling ahead. Um, and I hit the wall, and I, I hit the wall, like, cheered with my teammates, and then I just flopped back in the pool because they had the Olympic rings up above where the starting blocks were. And I just kind of flopped, and I floated for a solid couple minutes. Um, probably what felt like a couple minutes in reality was probably a couple seconds, but I just, I just soaked it all in. Cause I was like, that was amazing. Like that was incredible. Um, it was everything I've ever trained for from four to, um, 20, 16 years of training. And I did it. And I was just like, I couldn't even, I was the last one out of the pool. My teammates had to be like, Sarah, get out. <laughs> but I, I, then I got out of the pool. I hugged my teammates, high fives all around. Um, and then we walked back to our spot. I warmed down. Um, and then the night relay, I was up in the stands. Um, and I explained this earlier, but I'll explain it again, is um, because they take top six, what they do with relays is they'll take like the bottom four. Um, so the ones that aren't doing an individual and then they take the top fastest four from those splits and everything, um, for the best possible relay. And in my case, um, I just took part in the prelims session and the finalists, uh, were swimming for that. And that was a decision made by the coaching staff, which I fully supported. Um, because at that point it's just all about team USA. And I was like, anything you guys think, go for it. Like I swam in the Olympics. Like I, I've done it. Like I will do whatever you guys tell me to do basically. Um, and so I was all for, um, the night relay. Um, they set us up great. Um, and ultimately we all got a gold medal out of it. So I was like, all right, that works. Um, but, uh, when Katie, Katie anchored and Katie touched the wall, I started crying like before she had even finished because, um, I was like, I not, not only did I swim in the Olympic games, but I also got a gold medal and I walk away with gold medal and I walk away with all these memories. And it was just like one of those moments where it like hits you with a sledgehammer and he's just like bawling. And I looked up at my mom and she's bawling. My dad's crying and my brother's, cr I was like, Oh my gosh, this is just a moment. 
Um, and it was just one of the most surreal moments of my life. <laughs> like I, I can't even express just how much it meant to me to be able to, to accomplish everything that I've ever worked for. Um, I, I don't think I'll, I could, anyone could ever even imagine what all like 16 years wrapped up into five seconds of just, yeah. you can't believe <laughs> this is actually happening. That, yeah. that had to be just like the world felt perfect for. Yeah. <laughs> everything fell into place in that yeah. moment. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I am, I am, I count myself as one of the luckiest people in the world to have accomplished my dreams to make it to the Olympic games, the pinnacle of the sport and to walk away with the gold medal. Like, goodness gracious. Perfect. <laughs> like, like, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So I, as you know, I'm a big rah-rah USA fan, and yeah. I, I will get choked up if somebody's just singing the national anthem and I'm at oh, a yeah. ball game or whatever. I can't even yeah. imagine what can you try to put into words when you're standing there with yeah. a gold medal around your neck watching the American flag and the Star Spangled Banner playing. I mean, yeah. can you try to put it into words? It's just an, it, it's an unbelievable pride that we get to represent, I think is the greatest country in the world. Like we, we are, we are representing everybody in the, in the U S and I know that everybody in the U S is cheering us on and pushing us on and, and has our backs. And it's just such, it's such a feeling of just overwhelming pride and overwhelming joy to be able to have a done this for ourselves and be represented the country and represented the whole population. Like, it's just, it's such a feeling. And, and our uh, national team director called it our, uh, the national anthem is our fight song. Mm. Um, and so that was our fight song. And pretty much every time it went off, um, it's just like, it's another badge of honor. It's another pride. It's another everything. Um, it's another fight song. Um, and it's just, it's also fun because it's like when you hear the, the um, national anthem go off, like, four events in a row you're just like yes <laughs> like, <we're doing> good. <laughs> so it's just it's so many emotions wrapped into one um it's it's just so overwhelming and it's like the same feeling that you guys get at home is what we feel and it's just in person it's just a, such a prideful thing and it's amazing oh i love it my my face is hurting because i'm smiling for the last 20 minutes i mean this yeah. is just, oh Okay, so thank you for going into detail on that because, I mean, I could, I could fire another 400 questions at you. But, I mean, what's – it's hard to say one thing, but if I asked you, Sierra, what did you learn from that whole Olympic experience? Do you have a few things that come to the top of your mind? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just you can, mm. to be honest. Like – I put it in my mind as a four-year-old <laughs> that I wanted to make the Olympic games. And like, you know, you're four years old. You don't know a square from a circle, you know, like you're sitting there like, okay, like what? <laughs> and so the fact that I was able to make it to the end goal and not get to a point where I was just discouraged and didn't want to do it. And, you know, I had my bumps for sure. I had my bumps. Um, it wouldn't be a journey without them, mm -hmm. but I just learned that it's like, I can do what I put my mind to like, and everybody can do what they put their mind to. It's just, 
matter of doing it and thinking about it and living that life that gets you to the end goal. I love that. I, I, I'm, you can is like the quote yeah. that I'm, I love that. That is so cool. So what happens after you win the gold and you're coming back to the United States? I mean, did life significantly change after or, or no? I mean, not, not really. Um, I mean, my, my community that I come from is a super small um, kind of farm town area. Um, my high school is surrounded by like farm, farm fields left and right. Um, and so like there was my, my community knew everything that was happening. I had so many people message me and, and text me and, you know, give support and, and everything while I was down in Rio when I got home. Um, and then there was some signs up, you know, saying like, Hey, good job, Sierra. Like, woo. Um, but my day to day life was the same and that's okay. Um, I, I actually preferred it that way because I feel like if I were to come home and it would have been this big fanfare and this big, you know, hootenanny, this big thing. Um, I just feel like it would have not been me. Um, I would have enjoyed it, but it would, I, I don't know how I would have handled, um, just the reaction from people because like people will come up to me and be like, Oh, you're an Olympian. I'm like, thanks. like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's not because I don't, I'm not proud of what I've done. It's just because I don't like being the center of attention. Um, and I don't like bragging about myself. I am the worst brag. Like when I have to write an email, that's like, okay, tell me 10 things that like, y- you know, like about yourself that and I'm like, uh, like a resume, building a resume was like the hardest thing in my life. Um, <laughs> you just have to like write down all your accomplishments. I'm like, oh my God, I'm bragging. Um, so I really enjoyed just coming home. Um, we, we came home, I flew in, my mom picked me up. One of my best friends from high school actually came with her. It was so funny because she like surprised me in the airport. Um, yeah. And I didn't know she was there and I was grabbing my bags and I turned around and I go, oh my god it's Sarah like just like in the middle of the airport like blurted that out um so that was fun like I appreciated that and then um we went home and it was funny because I got my favorite sub shop um sandwiches for a celebratory little snack um and then I just watched the rest of the games at home and I just kind of lived life at home which was really fun and really nice to just kind of take a step back and reflect and absorb everything that had happened um and just to enjoy it. Um, Cause I feel like if I were thrown in the chaos of things, it would have just been too much. Um, and then I saw my sister, I got to go down to the uh, Naval Academy and see my sister afterwards. And, and so it was just, it was good family time, good me time, good post games time. Oh, that's so cool. That whole thing. And I love the story of your best friend from high school being in here. <laughs> and really so funny. I, I, I got to acknowledge you Sierra because you have zero ego. Like you just, you're, like, I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, we just started chatting a week or two ago. And mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I, I don't think I've ever met an Olympic gold medalist before, but you're just so you and it's just, it's awesome to see it. So I, I got to acknowledge you for that. Thank uh, so what's next for Sierra? You come back, you're, you've now graduated college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. so I graduated from Arizona State University this past semester. Um, I got my degree and, um, you know, it's taking it one day at a time right now. I'm working with um, some clinics and coaching. Uh, Fitter and Faster is a um, 
swim clinic that I work for, um, and I do um, like a little online. Uh, it's called Fitter and Faster Fuel. So I cook online because I love cooking, um, and my degrees in nutrition and healthy living. So, um, and then I coach, um, and I just I love 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 giving back to kids. I love giving back to the younger generation, to the kids that if I was 12 years old and I had somebody of my status come and talk to me, I would have lost my mind. Um, and if, it, if I can instill any, any knowledge on them and anything, um, you know, help them through anything that they're going through, just give any wisdom that I have learned through my journey to these kids to make it a little easier on them. Um, that's what I... I'm very passionate about is just helping the next generation with getting through some of the bumps with those journeys. Cause I mean, everybody's journey is different and everybody's journeys have bumps. Um, so if I can help smooth out a pretty big bump for any of the kids that I work with, I'm all for it. I love it. I love fitter and faster fuel on YouTube. Yeah. I watched some of the videos, very yeah. fun, entertaining and great knowledge and information in there too. So that's, that's very <laughs> and it's fun because all the meals that I make are pretty much everything that my mom has made me growing up, everything that I make um, for myself um, to fuel. And it, it just kind of comes full circle because it's not like I'm making these crazy uh, recipes up. It's pretty much everything I eat on a regular basis, um, which is really nice. <laughs> I love it. I think that's great. And I'm sure yeah. with, um, was speaking to those kids, I can't even, I saw there's a video floating around out there, you're speaking at a YMCA, I think, and mm -hmm. the, the looks on the kids' faces, you can just tell, I mean, you're just their hero, and it's so yeah. cool to see that. We need to get you on, like, the speaking circuit or something to all these I would love to. I honestly, I feel like I have a story that is very relatable, and if, if I can make it through some of the things I've made it through, anybody can make it through. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I can get into it, I'd absolutely, <laughs> absolutely be a part of it. We might have to connect. I do a lot of speaking, right. so we'll, we'll talk about that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right. So we're getting ready to wrap things up. I know it's sad because I want to keep Sarah here for another four hours, but that's <laughs> we'll, we'll have round two next year. We'll do yeah, we'll have to do a secondary. <laughs> so I, I've been dying to ask you this, how I talk about, a lot in the podcast, not making excuses and being accountable for your actions. And mm -hmm. we've heard your story, which is just, I mean, it's only beginning and it's unbelievably yeah. powerful. How important has making no excuses been to you, Sierra? Because I'm sure there were days you woke up and we were like, do I have to train again? <laughs> you know, how, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, so growing up, a lot of this is growing up is, and this is where my parents had come into such a big influence in my life because growing up, it was always the push and pull between, am I a normal kid or am I an elite athlete? Like it was always these dueling things. And the critical point, I will, I will always say that this is one of the biggest turning points in my career. I was probably 12 or 13 and we were driving down the swim practice and I was sobbing because I wanted I was super upset. I wanted to go to this slumber party, but practice conflicted with it. And my mom was like, okay, like we're going to practice. This is what you said you wanted to do. So you're like, this is what you said. And so um, <laughs> halfway through, she had just had enough. She pulled over. <laughs> I will never forget what she said to me though. So she said, she said, listen, 
you can't have a foot in both worlds. You can't, you can't do what you want to do and have a foot in both worlds. You can pick what world you want to be a part of. You can pick it. Whatever one you choose is fine, but you can't do this half in half out thing because you're not going to get to where you're going, you want to go. And so we labeled it as our new normal or our normal. Um, so what, what is your normal is one of the biggest things that I um, like to talk to people about is like, what is your normal? What, um, what is your, like, what do you do that is for you that's normal? Because if you were to tell people that my life is normal, people look at you like they, I have eight heads, right? <laughs> My normal is not someone else's normal, but it's my normal. And so waking up every day and there's days where you wake up and you're just like, I want to pull my hair out because I'm exhausted. I'm sore. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. And it's just, there is multiple mornings where it's, what's my normal? This is my normal. Get up and go. And you, you know, you put up, you shut up and go. <laughs> um, but that throughout my career, my life has always been what's your normal and my normal is different from your normal and that's okay. Um, but it's just reminding myself on a regular basis, what's your normal? So oh, that's what's your normal? That's so good. And so your normal was you're going to go hard at practice every single day. And then yep. when you woke up and didn't want to do it, you thought to yourself, Oh no, this is my normal. I'm going. Yep. yep. And it's just, you know, it, it was the drive that you just pound home. It's like, what do you want? Like, there was multiple mornings where I woke up and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and it's not all, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies all the time. Like training six hours a day will really beat you up. And so there was days where I would go into the locker room, sob my eyes out, look at the practice again, walk out on deck and do it. And it's just, it's just figuring out what's your normal. What are you willing to do? How far are you willing to push? What are you willing to give to make this work, to make what you want to happen work? Um, and it all goes back to mindset um, and making sure like you can do it. It's just a matter of if you put your mind to it, what's your normal? You just have to fit your lifestyle to your normal. Um, and so that, that's what got me through a lot of the days where it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I love how just real you are and you're just, you can tell this is really what's in your mind back then yeah. and now. And I did not know you did six hours. I mean, was yeah. that the norm or that was longer, longer training days? No, that, that was our, so our schedule in 16 and on a regular weekly basis is we'll go three doubles. Um, so two-hour practice in the morning, two-hour practice at night. Um, and then three days every other day would be singles, so two hours swimming. But on those single days, we'd have an hour of lifting. And on those double days, we'd have an hour of cardio. Oh, my goodness. So we put in some work. <laughs> we put in some hours in the pool and in the weight room and, and everywhere in between. Um, I was running for uh, – an hour, three days a week on top of my training in the pool on top of my weight, weight room schedule. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a lot, um, <laughs> but it, it's what it took to get to where I needed to be. So it's one of those things where it's like, some days you wake up and it really sucks. And some days you wake up and everything's fine. So, um, 
they ask, what's your normal? And you can do it. What's your normal? That is so good. Oh, what's your normal? And you can, or you can do it. I love that. And I'm assuming you'd have to be eating like constantly if you're training that much and you're trying to keep your weight, right? Yeah, we did. So I did an internship with ASU athletic um, department with the dietetics part, uh, department. And we did um, the calculations on how much I would burn um, throughout the day. And I think on my double days, it ended up being around five to 6,000 calories. And then on my single days, it was around 4,500 calories a day. Oh um, my God. So that's a lot of intake, um, but it's smart intake versus just calorie packing. Um, and so I lost the Olympic year. I lost probably 20 to 30 pounds just because I was training so hard and I was eating correctly. So like the balance was I like ended up slimming down really, really well. Um, and then just putting on some muscle, but, um, yeah, it's all about eating. Right. But getting those calories while you're trying to like eat spinach is also kind of hard. So, um, that was kind of something that inspired me though, that and my, uh, sports dietitian that I worked with at the USOC, um, to be on the dietitian pathway. Um, cause again, if I can help people, figure out how to fuel their bodies and fuel their minds. Like I am all about it. So. I love that. That's, that's, <laughs> I can't wait to see where that all goes. And it, will you keep putting out the, the YouTube videos for mm -hmm. people to see? Yeah, I actually have a, um, a conference call <laughs> coming up next uh, later today about fitter and faster fuel. So um, hopefully we'll keep pumping them out um, and I will keep coming up with recipes that are easy and fueling. <laughs> I love it. We'll have to put that in the show notes so everybody knows how to check yeah. it out because you have the knowledge and it's fun to watch. So you, yeah. it's just a fun show. Well, it's time for the final five. So I, yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> uh, so here's what we're going to do. There are five questions that are they're deeper questions, but we're going to see if Sierra can answer them in one to two sentences if possible. So Hopefully. Go. I'm excited. Now, this is funny question to ask somebody that's in their mid-20s, but yeah. I'm going to ask you anyways. Okay. How do you want to be remembered? Oh, and these are deep. <laughs> I want to be, be remembered as an influence to somebody. I love it. That be a small kid or an adult, just influence somebody. I love it. And I have a feeling you've done a ton of that, and you probably will do a ton more of that. So that's very cool. What what are you most thankful for? Most thankful for my family. Love it. Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited about this one because I've seen as I've seen you dancing on some of the videos. And the question <laughs> is, if I see Sierra at a wedding reception and she's dancing, what is her go-to dance move? <laughs> Teammates are gonna laugh their butts off when they watch this, but I have the cheesiest dance moves ever. And it's just like, I just like kind of do this. <laughs> or this, at, a, at my brother's wedding, I literally just did this the entire time. Like I just, hands out, I, cheesiest dance moves ever. I do it on, on deck before practice all the time and get, everybody laughs at me, but I do it um just for the laughs and for the kicks and giggles but it's just like i just like joke around i'm like at my wedding this is what you're gonna see right here <laughs> like will smith and um i think what is it yeah, Hitch. yeah. Hitch. yeah. yeah. And Hitch, he's just like this is where you live right here <laughs> i live right there 
I I don't know why I pictured you like going off the rails with the oh no the no 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 part. oh yeah I mean uh, trust me I will show it uh, I will throw in a good shopping cart and a good sprinkler <laughs> any day of the week <laughs> oh that's so good I love it yeah. plus if you're if you're listening this on the podcast you got to watch the YouTube video so you can see what Sierra was just doing in the yeah. Yeah, then you get the full visuals. Like, that's what, that's what that's I right. go to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is the biggest obstacle you've overcome? Biggest obstacle? Um, not having like-minded people surrounding me. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Okay, yeah. so just because I, I got to ask a follow-up. So <laughs> if anybody has, you know, if they have a group of friends that maybe they don't feel like they connect with, do you have advice for somebody in that situation if you have a yeah. group of, you know? Um, yeah, I found myself in situations like that um, a couple times throughout my career and through my life. Um, and just, it, it's hard because that's your, you know, if that's your group of people that you hang out with, but you might not be, you know, getting better from it, benefiting from it, and you know that it is a detriment to you, you just have to make that decision to step away. Um, and that can be one of the hardest decisions you will ever make. I had to do it three times. And it was the hardest decision I've ever made. Um, because in the moment, it, you feel like it's just not right. And it's not, it's like tearing you apart. They're your friends, you care about them, but they're not right for you. And so stepping away for the benefit of you is probably the hardest thing, but it's the best thing for you. Um, and having like-minded people, when you have that group, you will know it and you will feel it and you won't have that conflict of, am I being better by the people I'm surrounded with? I mean, you've said a lot of gems in this little chat. That might've been the best thing. That was, yeah. that was powerful. And I love how you said, you may still care about them. It's not like you have to hate the person, but I mean, yeah. if you need to remove yourself, that, that just makes a lot of yeah. sense. It's the self-awareness that it's not what's best for you. And that applies to every situation. It applies to, you know, um, relationships, friendships, the whole nine yards is if you have to be able to acknowledge that that's not the right place for you and that's not the right people for you. And that in and of itself is probably the biggest step. The next biggest step is just removing yourself from that situation and that, that group or that person. Um, and it's just, it's so hard. It doesn't mean you have to hate their guts. You can still care for them, but you need to acknowledge that it's not for you. It's not the best for you. Um, but that, that is something that I've had to fight with a lot throughout my career and throughout my life. Um, so if somebody was in that situation, that's probably what I would say to them. That was amazing comment and just so everyone knows sierra had no idea that question was coming and you just knocked that one out of the park right there wow yeah. that was a great great response yeah you should take a bow i think you should definitely take a bow <laughs> all right last one who and you can have more than one if you want but if i ask you who is your hero who would you say oh hmm. This is like the one, like, if you would sit down with somebody dead or alive, like, well, who would you sit down? Um, Louis yeah. Zamperini. Who is it? Louis Zamperini. He is the, um, he was a Olympian, um, and then he was a prisoner of war, 
Um, if you haven't read the book Unbroken or seen the movie Unbroken, oh, yeah. yeah, that's him and his story. I would, I would just, I would sit down and talk to him forever. Um, cause I read Unbroken and I read that through like one of those dark times where I was like figuring out myself and figuring out like, okay, like what am I doing? um with these people that I, I still care about like that situation we just talked about um and I read that book and that really really hit home and and was just like that was where the whole like flip switch of like you can you can do it all this like brain just like and I I just latched onto that and his story um because it was so incredible and it was like I have gone through nothing compared to him <laughs> um so I look up to him for what he went through, what he did and who he was as a person um, astronomically. So if I could like meet him, um, I think he passed away, but I would, I would definitely like have dinner with him and just pick his brain for hours. Wow. That's a great response. And I did, that movie is one of the most powerful movies. I've oh, ever seen. Yeah. His book, I think there's a second one, there's one or two. Um, and then he has like a memoir. Um, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, they are great books. He is a great just story. Um, and it's one of those things where you're reading it and you're like, no, like it's, you know, in a movie when like something bad happens and then another bad thing happens and then another bad thing happens, you're like, there's no way that this can get worse. And like somehow like it does, but he survives it. And it's just, it's so incredible. It's such a good book and movie. What a great response. That was, I, I had no idea what to expect. And that was, uh, that was really cool. Unbroken. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, I appreciate it, Sierra. This has yeah. been, I'm just, my face seriously smiling for I know, it's like my cheeks. <laughs> oh, so much fun. And can you tell everybody if somebody wants to follow along, they know where to go on YouTube to watch uh, the show, which is amazing. Yeah. What about social media? Where are you most active? Um, I'm most active probably. I don't really tweet. I'm not on Facebook. Um, so most active on my Instagram, um, which is just my name, Sierra Rungi. Um, and if you guys watching this, if anybody feels relatable to, you know, something I've said or something struck home, I, um, try to be good about my messages. Um, sometimes I'm not too great about it, but please don't hesitate to, um, reach out. I am, very open and willing to chat um if anybody connects with this that's really cool i appreciate yeah. you saying that yeah and absolutely. i just can't thank you enough this has been so much fun i i got a ton of value out of it i hope everybody listening and watching does and thank you for your time you're yeah. just an amazing person sierra thank you thank you thank you for having me i had a blast this was awesome we'll see you in a year when we do it again yeah absolutely <laughs> round two let's go round two. All right. Thanks, Sierra. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. <laughs> Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much. Oh,